stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to Disability Matters. Here we are trying to make a difference for quality of life for all people with disabilities. And first, I must give a major thank you to all of our listeners and your incredible support. Just so you know, we have had the presidential candidates calling here And we will be trying to get them on this show to talk about disability this year. Isn't that so exciting to have them including people with disabilities? But I give credit to all of you. If I didn't have a great listening audience that has really helped just move this show forward for four years now, we would not be able to attract people at the level that we are and talking about so many different issues, such as today where we have with us a guest and an advocate and an actor. We have a man who I believe has spent his life fighting for equality for all Americans with disabilities. He is the Associate Director at the UCLA Center for Neighborhood Knowledge in the School of Public Affairs, Alan Toy, welcome to the show. Hi, Joyce. Thanks for having me. And it is an honor to have you. And I want to say right off the bat that I, on as you all know, I'm on the executive board of the American Association for People with Disabilities. Andy Imperato has been on our show several times. I know how highly our listening audience thinks of Andy, and it is Andy that first told me about Alan. So it is a privilege to have you on. But, Alan, maybe you can begin by telling our listeners what made you decide to become an advocate for people with disabilities. Well, I think I might have had that thrust upon me. Um, at age three, I uh, contracted polio when we lived in Key West, Florida. My father was in the Navy. And so that left me kind of an incomplete paraplegic um, my both of my legs were impacted, and uh, so I use either crutches or a wheelchair to get around now, and have my whole life basically. And so, you know, growing up with a disability, you either um, kind of do what uh, people and society tell you to do, or you do what you want to do, and you try to live out your own dreams and aspirations. And um, and my mother was a real strong um, role model for me in terms of um, speaking my mind and, and trying to accomplish the things that I really wanted to in life without having other people's preconceptions keep me down. And, you know, so it all began with personal advocacy. And then, you know, as I started seeing that my struggle was the same as other people's struggles in similar situations, um, whether it had to do with disability or the color of your skin or your gender or your sexual orientation, I began to realize that this is a larger struggle for human and civil rights that isn't just about me. And so a lot of the things that I was learning through personal advocacy, I realized were very applicable on a larger scale that would impact whole classes of people. 
And so I guess I came to it first uh, as my own white horse champion for my own needs and causes and dreams, and then uh, pretty uh, soon realized that this could be something that we can carry into a larger effort to make the world a better place for all people. Well, Alan, we have a question for you from a listener in, actually, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. From a Nancy saying, Alan, uh, great for you. I know you have done a lot of acting. I admire you, but I have to ask you this question. Why are there so many people with disabilities that do not think of becoming an advocate? What is your opinion of what we can do to let them know how much we have to do in order to move forward? Well, thanks, Nancy. That's a good question. Um, I, I think it's in your blood. Um, a lot of us, uh, most people, go about their daily lives just trying to be happy, to accomplish the things they want to, the, to raise their families, to um, enjoy their time on Earth, and, and hopefully be somewhat successful at that. And then there's the rest of us who go, wait a minute, um, you know, this could be a little better over here if we only did this, and if we just tweaked this policy a little bit, think how more uh, embracing and encompassing it could be for a whole bunch of the people and so forth. So I, there's a calling, I think, to being an advocate, and um, sometimes it, it isn't the easiest life because you find yourself sort of in a situation of being, um, you know, never really, I don't know if the word is satisfied, but... Um, you, I find myself looking around a lot and seeing a lot of glasses that are half full, but there's a real tendency sometimes to see them as half empty as well. And so you can look at a glass and go, wow, look how full that is. That's really great. And then, you know, just a little twist of reality, you can go, but wouldn't it be great if it was ever so much fuller? And I think that's a a special kind of person. Um, sometimes it takes just a lot of um, personal discrimination and oppression to have somebody to say, enough is enough, I'm rising up, and I'm going to try to change the world, not only for myself, but for all people in this condition. Um, but um, I think a lot of us just sort of come to it based on a certain sense, sensibility that, you know, maybe the world could be a lot better place if we only put our you know, a little bit of available grease of our own into it. And I think you can't ask everybody to do that, but it would be great if everybody could sort of um, become, uh, you know, I'm, this is the advocate in me speaking, that it wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody became an advocate for positive change? Um, and so, you know, that, that encompasses the whole spirit of the environmental movement where we, if we all make a difference, we can maybe actually save this planet from ourselves or the whole issue of um, civil rights, you know, whether it's disability or um, race relations or so forth, that if we just become the change that we want to see, as Gandhi said, um, we can really make it a better world. So I guess I wish that everyone was more active, but uh, there's a certain kind of person that really does take this to heart and make it their life work. Yes. And also, I think, don't you, that probably even your uh, family had an influence on you, the way you described your mother, I mean. 
Uh, sure. I mean, she wasn't that political, um, but she certainly did say to me, well, you know, you climbed that tree. Don't ask me for help getting down. You know, wherever you are in life, wherever you take yourself, you need to know how to take yourself further or get yourself out of that situation yourself because I'm not always going to be here to help you, and you really can't be reliant on others to, to make the changes that you want to see in your own life and in the world. And I think that she had a huge influence on me that way. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I can already tell she's my kind of person just by what she said to you, because it's all about independence. You know that? It really is. It's so much about independence. But when it comes to advocacy, um, I agree with him. It is in your blood. That's just how it is. It's hard to describe it. That's the best way I've heard it described. But we have another question for you from a Martha in Chicago, and the question is, Alan, one thing I've noticed is that we do not have enough of our own stars that we recognize. I mean people who have been in, on TV or in movies, which I know you have been. Do you have a website, and do you have a way that people can follow you, and do you have your own posters? Um, well, we do have stars, and, and that's... Um Part of the problem is getting us to recognize the positive things as well as the negative. So that's one of the things that I've been most, um, I think, um, in my life I and my work, I really try to look at what is happening that is good and build on that rather than um, constantly trying to pick apart things to look for the, the negatives and what's what's not happening that ought to be happening. Um, there. The two go hand in hand, but it's a kind of an, uh, an approach that you take. And I find that people are much more happy to be around somebody who is saying, look at all the great work you've done. Now, if you could just do a little bit more in this area, think how wonderful that whole body of work would be together. And rather than coming in and saying, you haven't done enough, and when are you going to do this, and why aren't you doing so-and-so? So we do have stars. We have um, Robert David Hall, who's a good friend of mine. On He's an actor on CSI. He's about, he and Marley Matlin, I suppose, are the closest things we have to actual, you know, stars with disabilities. Uh, granted, neither of them are um, A-list, you know, right at the top of everybody's paparazzi um, story of tabloid story of the week concept, but they are hardworking, struggling, um, devoted, and and accomplished and talented actors who also take the the positive things that ha- that have happened in their lives and turn them towards um, becoming advocates for helping other people uh, who have. Um, you know, uh, need to 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 gain more civil rights and more civil liberties in their own uh, areas of work or in their in their own communities. So, I, I think we do have those, and it's recognizing them, and and it's calling the networks and saying, "Hey, this is great. Let's see more of this person." Rather than, "How come we're never seeing any of this type of person?" So that's one thing. The other is, yes, I do have a website that a fan of mine built in. Uh, a fan in Germany, and I didn't know her. I don't know why she picked me, of all people, but she contacted me one time about oh, 10 or 12 years ago and said, um, would it be okay if I have a website, if I build a website for you, sort of a fan site, and um, to you know show all the work you've done on television and film and so forth and, and to allow people to contact you? And I said, sure, that'd be great. And she said, well, okay, it's up online already. And I, I kind of freaked out because I thought she'd build it and then we'd talk about it and then it would go online. But I went to this website and and honestly 
Naomi, who this woman who built it, had put in personal contact information or places where people could get to my home phone and my home address and so forth. And and I kind of, you know, I I contacted her immediately. I said, you know, I love what you're doing here, but you've got to, you know, protect me also because if you're putting me out to the universe here, I don't know who's going to contact me and try to do what with the information. So we have to be a little more careful. But it is alantoy.com, and it's up now. And it just, you know, it's a simple little fan site that... um, it lists the work that I've done, some of the papers I've written, and so forth, and um, and people can contact me through that. Alan and I, Toy, and I do write back to them. Okay, AlanToy.com. AlanToy.com. Is that yeah, correct? A l a n t o y dot com. AlanToy.com, and you know we do need to continue to recognize and celebrate everyone in our community. Uh, and I just want to say one thing before we go to break. You know what? There are more people out there. It's just that remember, just like me, I have epilepsy. There are many people out there right now, actors, actresses, who have epilepsy or who have a psychiatric disability or who have MS or something, but it's hidden. It's just they haven't disclosed it. But they're Mm -hmm. out there. I guarantee you that. And we're going to take a break right now. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that is when we come back. And when we come back, we will talk about that with Alan Toy, actor and the associate director of UCLA Center for Neighborhood Knowledge, but most importantly, an advocate for all of us. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back with Alan. Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are talking to Alan Toy, who is UCLA Center for Neighborhood Knowledge's Associate Director, also a known actor and advocate for people with disabilities. And right before we went to break, what we were talking about is I made the comment that there are people who are actors and actresses that you do not know of, because maybe they haven't disclosed this, but do have hidden disabilities. Alan, what do you think about that? Well, I, I wanted to talk about people with, with hidden disabilities more than the actors who have them. Um, in our society right now, there are so there's probably one out of every five people has some kind of disability. Uh, most of those people aren't visible to us. We don't know it when we see them. We, we um, may never know it about them. But um, it, these people are are working with and, and living with their disabilities um, on a day-to-day basis. And since um, the Iraq War, we've had so many thousands of newly disabled veterans, many of them suffering from uh, PTSD or from uh, head trauma, from brain, brain tra- traumatic brain injury. And they're coming back into our society with disabilities that many of us can't even imagine having, um, and they won't necessarily be visible to us. So uh, this is also true with people, many people who are homeless. You, you look at the, the terrible plight of, of people who are homeless in, the, in our American cities, in the urban centers, um, and you go, well, why are there so many people there? And studies have shown that up to half or more of them are people with different kinds of disabilities who maybe had learning disabilities that weren't recognized, who had um, different kinds of physical disabilities that weren't apparent to people or psychiatric disabilities. And so they become a part of what unfortunately is the detritus of our society because we don't understand those disabilities and we don't have a place for them or the patience for them and, and we don't really take the time out of our busy lives to go, wow, you know, there could be another reason why this person is so difficult or this person seems so odd or different to me. And, and maybe I should try to understand that a little better and try to find a way in which I can communicate better with that individual uh, 
on their level rather than always on mine. And perhaps we can build stronger communities that way and embrace people with disabilities more more completely. I can see why Andy Parado likes you. Well, one of the are things... a good person, and I appreciate you bringing that up, Alan, because as a woman with epilepsy, and next year I will be the chair of the national board of the mm-hmm. Epilepsy Foundation, uh-huh. I can tell you that I know for a fact that a very large portion of people who are homeless are people with epilepsy. Yeah. In, in addition, as you said, to other disabilities, mm-hmm. and, and it is just so wrong when people just you know, write people off or judge them and say, oh, they're, oh, they're a bum. You yeah. know, it's their fault. Oh, right. what did they do that made them put them there? It's their addicts or their drunks or whatever, you know, and you write them off that way, and you don't get at what the underlying causal uh, reasons are that, that maybe led them to become an addict or led them to um, lose their jobs and their homes in the first place. And, and people, I think, are too quick to judge sometimes. Yes, they are, and you, you took all the words out of my mouth. That is exactly what, what they say. One of the that things... is what they say, and I hate that when people say that about people, and they don't know anything about their situation. It isn't just homelessness. In America, we have one out of 100 people is in prison, and in the African-American community, they're finding that maybe at any given time, one out of nine or ten uh, young American men who are African-American are in prison or have been in prison at, at any or, or or on probation at any given time and the reasons a lot of the time behind this are because people are having learning disabilities that are not identified they're categorized in school they're being listed early on as troublemakers as this that and the other they find that they're being shunted into classes that don't have a future they're many times dropping out of school they're getting into situations where the only recourse for them is to or the only direction that they can go is in conflict with the law and so you find that there's and this is a really important study that's just now beginning to get revealed is that there's a real pipeline between uh, particularly minority students or poorer students with disabilities, learning disabilities and others, almost a direct pipeline between school and prison in their lives, that they are destined to go to prison because of unidentified disabilities. Oh, I believe that. I do. That makes, you know, I know this is true because I do volunteer work where I train high school students with disabilities mm-hmm. about the world of work. Mm-hmm. And, and a large portion of my classes are minorities. And many of these students who, who teachers have labeled, written off, said there's no hope for them, yeah, they have a disability. But they're not, you know, a criminal because they have a disability. But if you give them no, if you label them and you give them no opportunity then this is what will happen. In addition to if you have schools where it's really like apartheid, you know, segregated, and that school doesn't get the same funding and the same books or no books. Right. How can that be fair? The kids can't even take their books home because there aren't enough of them. Yeah. How can that be equal? Right. So, uh, you know, I agree with you. And and I, I just hope if you're listening to this show and you're listening to Alan today, remember... Don't judge. Open your eyes. Open your eyes because guess what? It could be you next or someone in your family next. 
Well, that's one of the unique things about our particular minority group is that anyone can join us at any time. It's kind of difficult. You can do it, but it's kind of difficult to switch from being a man to a woman or from being Caucasian to uh, a racial or ethnic minority. That's much more difficult, but you can become disabled in the blink of an eye, and um, it, it's a life-altering occasion when you do that. Um, and because of that disability, does that mean that your dreams end, your life ends, your productivity ends? Um, not necessarily in your own mind, but often in society, that's the judgment that's made, is that, okay, you are no longer a a productive or a useful or a worthwhile member of society, and so we put you over in this box over here. And that's what we've been struggling for so long to, to do away with, is to break down those, those barriers of um, discrimination and to say that it isn't um, so much a personal issue when you have a disability, it's a societal issue. That the larger question is, how can society be more open and more embracing of all of its members and therefore become a stronger and more productive and more vital and diverse society as an end result? Yes. Amen to that. Well, Alan, um, for our listeners throughout the world, UCLA Center for Neighborhood Knowledge. Right. What is that and what, what do you do there? Well, our center essentially takes information such as demographic data and other kinds of information, research data and so forth. And we use um, Internet mapping technologies, and we layer this data on top of things to show communities more about themselves. So, uh, for example, you can look at uh, the failure to pay taxes and the um, contract nuisance abatement reports and the the Department of Water and Power liens on properties and so forth. And if you look at all of those and you put all that data together over a particular neighborhood, you can see where landlords are taking people's money and not reinvesting in their properties and basically turning whole neighborhoods into slums in particular areas of cities. That's one example. Or you can say, all right, here's a whole bunch of properties that are uh, where the land is worth more than the building. and Could they be redeveloped for nonprofit housing? Are they close to transit-oriented uh, corridors and so forth. And so it's all about urban planning. But a couple of the projects that I've come up with at this thing are um, having people with disabilities in, for example, the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area, be able to self-identify where are resources for self-directed independent living and map those so that everybody can look at those resources and be able to understand here are the things that I need in order to um, you know, help me survive in the community if I'm a person with a significant disability. And, and that project is called Lila, Living Independently in Los Angeles. And again, its website is lila.ucla.edu. lila.ucla.edu. And anyone can go on there. And in fact, anyone can map anything around the country. Um, but predominantly, our resources that are mapped on Lila are um, in the Los Angeles uh, regional metropolitan area, uh, and some throughout the state as well. Fascinating. That is. Let me ask you this question: um, What is? What do you run into when it comes to accessible housing for people? <laughs> there is hardly any. 
Um, I, I mean, because- there there are laws that say that any buildings over uh, you know more than four units have to have um, you know fair housing laws say that they have to be accessible and so forth, and particularly newly built ones. But a lot of times now, people are building condos, and for some reason, condos don't fit into most of those fair housing laws because even though they're congregate uh, units, they're individual properties. So um, that's one of the things that we've been trying to. Uh, established both here and in other parts of the country is something called visitability. I don't know if you've heard of that concept, but it allows essentially uh, for individual units like houses and, and apartments and units that are smaller than four um, units per, per building um, to not necessarily go through all of the hoops that an ADA building code or other kinds of building codes would require, but to have um, at least one level uh, access entrance to have light fixtures and um, plugs and so forth to be uh, reachable for somebody who is um, who uses a wheelchair to have at least one bathroom on the ground floor that is uh, fully accessible to someone who uses a wheelchair and that just essentially means a wider door and the ability to turn around and so forth we're not talking about all the bells and whistles but those those are made three major components um, uh, level entrance and um, a, a bathroom on the ground floor and plugs and and, uh, and light sockets and fixtures that are are reachable. And what this does is, when a, a house has this, the owners can age in place. And like I said, you never know when you're going to get a disability. And the older you get, the more likely that you will get one. Uh, you know, happens. So. Um, you can age in a house without having to worry about, oh, my God, I just broke my hip. Now what am I going to do because I can no longer go to the bathroom or get into my own home? Um, you can have friends who you can't, you know, your kids have sleepovers and slumber parties or pizza parties or whatever at parties or gatherings at their home, and they aren't embarrassed now to invite their friends with disabilities over because there's a door they can get in. There's a bathroom they can use. And so these kinds of just really simple building concepts that do not add a lot of cost to the building of a home are things that we'd like to try to incorporate into. It's almost like a universal concept where anybody can live here, anybody can visit, and anybody can own this property. Oh, and we need that. Can't, we're not going to help you if you get employed if you don't have anywhere to live. That is so true. We're going to go to break for a minute, and we'll be right back with our guest, Alan Toy, the Associate Director at the UCLA Center for Neighborhood Knowledge. Don't go away. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. 
Are you ready to take it to the next level, both personally and professionally? If your answer is yes, you owe it to yourself to spend an hour with America's coach, Dan Lear, and the road to success, broadcasting live every Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Dan shares proven success strategies that will take you from where you are now to where you want to go. Your road to success begins with America's coach, Dan Lear, on the Voice America Business Channel. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, <laughs> she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. Very good. This is sand. Oh, <laughs> no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. <laughs> Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at PornLearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender and my special guest, Alan Toy. You know, I'm always excited when we have people that are out there making a difference in all areas, including. TV in Hollywood, and we have an actor with us today. And I do have a question, but before I ask you that question, Alan, I want to ask you, uh, just for our listeners, could you first go over a little bit about your acting career so everyone will understand why I keep referring to you as our famous actor? Well, okay, I think famous might be a, a bit of a stretch, but among certain audiences, I think I'm fairly well known. Famous unfortunately, unfortunately, famous they're aging. The, um, the fans of Beverly Hills 90210 will remember me as the infamous uh, cult leader, uh, Professor Finley, who um, was a professor who led Kelly astray for uh, quite a while on 90210. I've also been in uh, films such as uh, The Aviator, where I had an interesting scene with um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I've done many, many uh, television shows, uh, Matlock and uh, Brothers and Sisters and MASH and West Wing and um, Simon and Simon. And I I just, you know, throughout the past two decades, uh, uh, any number of TV shows. Um, I had a pivotal scene in, in The Line of Fire where I Essentially, after two-thirds of the movie of Clint Eastwood trying to figure out who he was looking for in the character of John Malkovich, I'm the person who told him all about that. And in a way, those are a lot of that's similar to a lot of the roles I played, which are they went that away roles or um, things that move the plot forward. Because um, I think that you know when in Hollywood, as throughout the whole you know Western civilization. Uh, you know, body of work from the early Greek writings and so forth on to present. There's 
been this propensity to use disability as a um, a parable for uh, morality, for evil, for um, dysfunction, and so forth. And what we've been struggling for in the past um, couple of decades here in Hollywood is to change that whole paradigm so that people aren't written to be stereotyped. And that still happens a lot, um, but there are still some wonderful shows that come out. Um, Sweet Nothings in Her Ear, I think was the name of it, is a recent product uh, that was about the debate of whether a hearing father and a deaf mother should have their child who is deaf uh, have a cochlear implant put in, and the, the cultural debates about, do, you know, the, does the culture of deafness, um, is that something to be perpetrated and to be proud of versus how would the child um, do in the greater society uh, with the help of a cochlear implant? And these are wonderful new examples of how you can take the whole question of disability in society and reframe it in ways that are interesting to audiences and which um, can draw big stars. Jeff Daniels and Marley Matlin were in that. It was written by a friend of mine, Stephen Sachs, who I worked with in the theater years ago. He doesn't have a disability, but um, his interest... Uh, has evolved over the years, and he's written a terrific uh, movie of the week. So these are the kinds of things that we want to see more of. We want to see characters like Robert David Hall on uh, CSI or Teal, Teal Scherer, who many of your audience may remember as the young woman in the wheelchair who goes through the rain to vote uh, for, I think it's some sort of uh, insurance, Allstate or some Liberty other kind. Mutual. Is it Liberty Mutual? I think, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, whatever the company is, it's a great commercial. Um, and this is a woman who goes to a great deal of trouble to exercise her right to vote in America, which mm-hmm. I wish more Americans would do. Um, and she uses a wheelchair. So there's these kinds of stories and plots and images and ideas and characters are what we've been struggling for for quite some time. And when you find that people are being inclusive in Hollywood, a lot of times in the basic course of a plot, they go, well, who can we have who has a disability? All right, well, let's have a witness, or let's have somebody who moves the plot along and so it says they went that away or tells the, the major characters something about something they're looking for. So um, I've played an awful lot of those because of uh, employers, Hollywood producers and directors who want to employ people with disabilities in non-stereotypical roles but haven't quite gotten to the point of figuring out, well, like, how do we do this in a in a really creative way? Yeah, but it is it is what we're asking for uh, in our contracts and in our civil rights work within the unions, which is to accurately and and um, and adequately portray the entire American scene. And in this Green Actors Guild contract, there is this um, clause that says that producers shall make every effort to to accurately portray the American scene, which means all types of people doing all types of things and all types of professions and not stereotype us. Uh, it's been a struggle with them because they want to tell a particular tale based on a particular set of their own values. But we're really, we are making some inroads, but then every now and then we have to take a couple of steps back because somebody's come out with something that we just can't believe. And then, you know, we take a baby step or two forward again. But I'm, I'm hoping it's moving in the right direction overall. Well, you you were in the profiler, right? Uh, yeah, I had a, a little role in that. I played kind of a weird, nasty guy in that one, um, and uh, that uh, you know. But and 
That's okay. I, 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 lo- I love that TV show. Oh, that was like the uh, precursor or whatever to all the Law and Order and mm-hmm. all, CSI and all these other shows, you know, that right. are now right. so popular today. But I, I remembered that you had been in that. But I wanted to ask you. Well, one of the um, things, well, before you ask that, I, I, yeah. I just want to say that I'm really proud of my career because it's taken this whole um, spectrum of characters, stereotypical to super crip, as we say, um, and it's run the gamut of that. But most of the work that I've had is right in the solid middle of being just another person who happens to have a disability. <clears throat> and I, I really think that that's the goal, and that's the kind of work that we're all seeking. Yes. Remember, if you're thinking that's so shocking to have a person with a disability in any role, remember... Franklin Roosevelt was in a wheelchair. I don't know how we're all forgetting this. You know, you can run the country for, you know, three terms during the most really difficult time in America, but you can't, what, be an accountant or a computer programmer or just mm-hmm. get a job, period? This is just hard for me to comprehend. Um, well, he did, he did do that, but in terms of the image that he was trying to project, given that this was the most powerful uh you know, person in America in the, a time of world war and so forth, he did everything he could to try to hide his disability mm-hmm. from the public. Um, so he would be prepositioned at a podium before curtain would open, or he would be seated, and then the press would be brought in and so forth. And, and they really did have a bargain with the press to not show the Marines who escorted him to his uh, seat or to his place at a podium or whatever, uh, not to reflect too deeply upon his disability, because everybody wanted to portray this image of strength. Now, I believe strongly that disability and strength can go hand in hand, and so those are the lessons we've learned in the last 50 years, but um, the bottom line is here was a man with a very significant disability who pulled off a monumental accomplishment of taking the Allies through an incredible challenge to uh, world freedom and and, uh, the future of the planet and led us victoriously through that. Yes, I, I know. I and know created the public works program, got us out of the Depression, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this guy was a pretty remarkable president, and um, and he did it every single day of his life uh, using crutches or wheelchairs with legs that didn't work very well. well. You can do it. We know you can do it. We know we do it. We all do it every day, but we've got to get together. That's why we could just work together more. What a powerful group we have. And before I go to break, uh, something that Alan mentioned that I've tried to mention on every show, remember, remember to vote. I do not care if you vote Republican or Democrat. I care that you vote. Remember Justin Dart. Remember, vote as if your life depends upon it because it probably does. You better get out there and vote. Our democracy, our democracy depends on people voting because what is democracy but people exercising their particular will as members of a participatory organization called their government, their country. And you're all voting members with, with a great deal of stock at hand here. And this election is a hugely important one in the direction the country takes. Couldn't be more starkly different differentiated this time so go vote pick one area you want to go in and vote please and with that we're going to go to break and then we'll be right back with civil rights leader actor 
advocate, you name it, Alan Toy, our guest. We'll be right back with this champion. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much. Unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. And if you just joined us, what a great show today with Alan Toy, who is an actor, advocate, just champion of hope for all of us, if you just joined us. Remember, Voice America will be playing the show again. You can always go to the Voice America archives or to BenderConsult.com, and you will see all the shows over the past four years. Um, Alan, I just want to ask you one quick question here that relates to what we were talking about, and that is, which is acting in the media in Hollywood. Why do you think it is that so often when a person is portrayed as either a serial killer or just all-around bad person, I don't care what they are, you know, they have to start off by saying, 
and so-and-so just escaped from a mental institution or so-and-so has severe psychiatric problems, which, of course, continues to make people think that, you know, I don't want to hire a person with a psychiatric disability because they'll shoot someone. Mm-hmm. Well, um because they can get away with it, I guess, because they can make money at it, because people buy it, because people um, just uh, eat that stuff up. Um, it's, I don't know, even these days we're, like with movies like the Saw series and others, um, Hostel and others that are so horribly depicting deranged individuals doing incredibly gruesome things to other people. Um, and it seems like they make more and more money every time they come out with something worse and worse. It's hard to combat. But I, I will say that, the, the as you know, the end result of this kind of thing is that it's like when Jaws came out and people didn't want to go in the water anymore because everybody was afraid they'd get eaten by a shark, even though maybe 10 people worldwide get eaten by sharks every year. Nobody wanted to go in the water because they all thought they were dangerous, terrible creatures in there. And so the same thing becomes true with when you see someone who's homeless or you see someone who um, is maybe uh, talking what appears to be themselves and they're not on a headset with a telephone um, and so forth, and we become afraid of them. The end result of these kinds of media portrayals is building fear upon fear upon fear, and it's because we don't understand. And these media products make no attempt to help us understand any of these kinds of conditions that people have and that most of the people who have psychiatric illnesses are not a danger to others and that they basically are looking for understanding and compassion more than being shunned or feared or locked away. And I don't know, it's, it's a real conundrum that we're dealing with and I just have to say that it's, uh, it disgusts me um, because that's one area in which... Uh, our work in the media seems to have not taken hold very much. Um, and it's an area which most of Americans don't understand psychiatric illnesses um, or disabilities, and they just have a lot of fear. And the media is reinforcing that, unfortunately. Yes, it is. But, you know, when we were talking about voting, I guarantee you if, if we would get together more, and we would have a more powerful voice, then we would be able to influence various things. But until then, money rules. So, you know, that is... Well, a lot of people have asked me, well, why isn't Barack Obama mentioning, or Hillary Clinton or McCain mentioning disability in every speech? And it's because they don't have to. Um, If we made ourselves into a unified and solid block of voters, doesn't matter which way you're voting, but that we vote and that we let the campaigns know that, they couldn't ignore us. Now, Hillary and Brock, and I, I haven't seen it, but I presume McCain all have platforms that say a lot of great things about what they're going to do vis-a-vis disability issues if they're elected. Um, and we kind of, with Andy and Parado and others, we helped set the uh, bar very high for that when we created Howard Dean's disability issues platform uh, the last cycle. And 
uh, the campaigns now are using a lot of that kind of stuff that we built upon and and going even better in terms of their descriptions of disability issues and what they're going to do. But we have not yet become of a part of the national vocabulary or the national debate. And yet all these issues of health care and transportation and, you know, this, that, and the other, the war, I mean, look at all the people who are coming home severely disabled from this war and Yet that's not really something that's being talked about. Why do we want to end the war? Because we want to stop having tens of thousands of traumatic brain injuries coming home of young men and women who are whose lives are inalterably changed, um, and who and to a society that doesn't understand their disabilities. We need to have those kinds of debates. But until we, as a community, coalesce and and show our muscles and let people know about our strength as voters, then we're not going to be paid attention to. And that brings me to a final thing I want to talk about, which is how do we take this movement of, of civil rights for people with disabilities into the next generation? Many of us who have um, brought the world particularly in the United States, but many other places in the world, to a greater consciousness about access, about programmatic and building access, and about equality and, and a better place for people in society are aging. We're the boomer generation, and we looked at uh, the self-help kinds of um, philosophies and the, um, the African-American and the women's civil rights movements and so forth and equality movements, and we learned and gained a lot from those, and we took those to our own movement. And we made a lot of changes. We've got the ADA and we've got the IDEA and we've got all the, the sections 508 and 504 and all these laws that allegedly protect our rights, but yet at the same time they're being eroded either in the courts or in reality or in people just not enforcing the laws that exist. How do we bring the younger generation into a state of activism and consciousness that will have them pick up the baton and the torch and carry it forward? Uh, that's the challenge that I think our community faces most these days. And that's one that really interests me in terms of young people who have, with significant disabilities who have had the benefits of a lot of these civil rights laws who are now going to college, getting into great careers, doing the things that a lot of us 20, 30, 40 years ago never dreamed was possible. And how do we re-engage them to understand that they need to be the, the torchbearers from here on? And that's the, our biggest challenge, I think. And a great one. Well, listen, before we close, two quick questions for you in closing. Alan, first, you've already done so many great things. I don't know what you'll pick here, but what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Well, this is a pretty good segue because I think my and my wife's greatest accomplishment is our young son, who is 17 years old, who's a wonderful kid, who understands a lot about the world around him, who's sensitive, compassionate, and who is usually... Maybe not so much to us at times, but in the world around him, he's usually a kind and caring individual. And I think that's the greatest accomplishment we can all provide, which is to make the next generation better than the one we are. Well, that is that is uh, wonderful, and I agree, because th- th- there goes our leadership and there goes our future. Yeah. Well, that's the ultimate activism, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, that is. Yeah. And and how about for everyone now listening to the show today? We've talked about so many things, but what would you say, Alan, if you if you had to leave a message with everyone today listening to the show throughout the world, what would your message be? Well, I think get involved. Find anything, whatever interests you, and get involved to leave the world a better place than 
where you found it, whether it's picking up a beach before you leave and picking up more than you brought, or um, whether it's uh, helping a, a young person who maybe doesn't have a good role model, or it's um, you know uh, communicating with your representatives on what you think would be a better way to do something, or if it's um, just reaching out and, and saying hi to people, leave the world a better place than where you find it. And if we all did that every day, it's incredible what the, what a transformation would take place. Oh, I will say so. And you know what? Here's another national treasure we have with Alan Toy. <laughs> if you're listening to the show today looking for a great keynote speaker, here's your man right here. Alan Toy, we are lucky to have you in America. Thanks, Joyce. It was great being on your show. Yeah, well, you are a great leader right now in America. Um, And once again, what's that website of yours? Uh, AlanToy.com, A-L-A-N-T-O-Y.com. All right, and every show I end with a quote. And since today we are talking about getting out there acting, it will be from Gail Williamson, who said... Why shouldn't more people be able to turn on the TV and see people who look like them? Isn't that so true about everything in life? Alan, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Joyce. You are listening to America's Voice with Joyce Bender, where disability matters. See you next Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.